Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, which, as the title suggests, is a pro wrestling podcast by me, Simon Miller. Thank you very much for downloading me. Thank you for deciding, hey, I want to spend some time with that idiot that talks about wrestling once a week. And when I say once a week, I mean, we are averaging once a week, but again, we missed the Wednesday deadline, (laughs) which I can only apologize for. But there is a reason for it. Now, I wasn't going to talk about this until later in the month. But given that it seems to be only fair if I keep missing my Wednesday deadline. Uh, I mean, I prefer it if you all kept this to yourselves. But I mean, it's a public podcast. So do whatever you want. It's not a big deal, really. You know what? You can talk about it as much as you want. But no one would care anyway. Who would care? But basically, the reason for the delay is you may have seen, you know, in my, in my work life, I'm sure a lot of you know I work for What Culture. And that's continuing before it seems otherwise. You know, I love those guys. They're really good to me. And hopefully that will go on for as long as they'll have me. Uh, but if you're into my gaming stuff, you may have noticed that over the last few months, I've done some stuff for video gamer and PC games in uh, weekly series and, and stuff like that. And over a period of time, and obviously they pay me money for that because you know I, I'm a freelancer in my in my day to day day to job. And then you know that's another reason sometimes this stuff gets delayed. My personal projects unfortunately do have to take a back seat to paid work because that's just the way that life is. You know, I, I need I need to make money. But I kind of started to realize that as far as the gaming stuff was was concerned, that it was getting a bit confusing that you could see me over on PC Games N. Then obviously I'm still doing stuff for Video Gamer, which was my full-time job until late last year or mid last year. And then I was doing stuff on my own channel as well. YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash the Miller Report Rules if you're interested. Or TMR as I've now rebranded it. But still, that's the URL. So what I've decided to do basically end of June is I've given my notice to PC Games N and Video Gamer. I'm all wrapped up with PC Games N. I will be wrapping up with Video Gamer at the end of the month. I am going to make a YouTube video about this to, to explain because I'm basically taking a risk. And my risk is to move all my all my content or my gaming content to my YouTube channel. I've got a new schedule in place. There is going to be some wrestling content up there as well, but it's not going to uh, be a conflict of interest for the stuff I do at What Culture. It's going to be more silly tongue-in-cheek stuff I just enjoy doing. Uh, and I'm going to see how much support and how much I can actually push that. And again, to be completely blunt and completely honest with you, if it doesn't do well, I will have to close down all my personal projects and go look for proper work. Uh, but I realize I'm at a crossroads now where, like I say, it was getting confusing. People be like, Millie, you're over here, but also you're over here. And it makes much more sense to have that one-stop shop, that one hub to see how much... Um, how much support and how much interest there is because you can't really ever gauge it when you are popping up all up all over the place it's difficult so yeah so that, I'm, just, I'm kind of just winding down with those stuff but it does there's some stuff i need to sort out so sometimes again i have to delay stuff like this and i don't want to delay stuff like this anymore which is another reason i'm doing this and like i said the youtube channel will have a proper schedule which i will dedicate myself to the podcast will be a part of that i'll start putting them up on the youtube channel as well and yeah, it just basically gives me all of July and maybe a bit more, all things considered, to see can we make a success out of this or not. So that's why I didn't go up on Wednesday because I was having meetings and chats and, you know, because there are contracts and stuff to, to, to sort out. Um, yeah, so come end of June, I'll be making a video about that, announcing it publicly, but I thought, well, I better tell some people, otherwise it just seems like I'm being lazy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you ever did have thought about supporting me or the podcast, and this is just a plug, really, but that's what that's what I'm pushing for. The honesty and transparency are my thing. It's true. So you know, if if you could go to youtube.com forward slash Lee forward slash the Miller Report Rules and give me a sub, that would be fantastic. And like I said, I'm not going to talk about the schedule just yet because I need to to finalise a few things. Uh, and if you want to go, you know, above and beyond that and support this podcast or anything else, it's just patreon.com forward slash Simon316. And there are some rewards and extra stuff up there too, including the exclusive pro wrestling podcast, which Hogan, we put a poll up and Hogan has won that by a mile. So we will be doing the problem with Hulk Hogan. I'll be doing it either tomorrow or Monday. Um, but yeah, that's why there was delayed. So soon it won't be delayed anymore. And we will see where we can get. Just to wrap up the plugs quickly as well before we get into everything in this week's world of pro wrestling. If you are on iTunes, please go review us, search the podcast, find it five stars, push us up the rankings, let people know about us. Also, make sure you check out the new gaming podcast called The Week in Gaming. And yes, it is satirical and it is a joke, but I just thought there was way too many... 
uh, gaming podcast, so I thought I'd have some fun with it. However, going back to what I was talking about a minute ago, it does mean you'll be able to see... There will still be silly content on the YouTube channel, because I love that stuff. But there will be more serious editorial-like gaming stuff on the YouTube channel, so you can get the best of both worlds. Follow me on Twitter at SimonMiller316, and please do go join the Facebook group, Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just search for that, and get involved with all the chats. Right. Let's talk wrestling. That's five minutes of non-wrestling stuff. But again, I wanted to fill everybody in. So hopefully that's okay. We are going to talk about Raw. We are going to talk about SmackDown. We are going to talk about ratings. We are going to talk about Dominion. Got to talk about Omega Okada too. But we're going to start off topical because Money in the Bank, as I record this, is tomorrow. It is Saturday. Again, I'm sorry it's late. So we're going to run down the card, make some predictions. I think it's a real shame this year with Money in the Bank because while there's a lot of good stuff going in, the build hasn't been the best. And it doesn't feel as special as it has done in the past, which I think is a shame. I am very excited about the women's Money in the Bank match. I still think it's an absolute mistake not to just have that one and cancel the men's. Because I think having two Money in the Banks waters it down. It's like if we had a, a women's battle a Raw Rumble. It's just more fun to have, you know, one. And if you decided that you want to do it with the women, I don't see why you can't just, just stop the men's. Or, or do the men's on Raw. It seems strange to me, because that way... I think they don't really keep the show separate if we're being honest with ourselves. But that at least would have allowed us to just put some more importance into the briefcase. Because I imagine what's going to happen, we'll get straight into it, the Money in the Bank ladder match for the women is Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair versus Natalia versus Tamina versus Carmilla with James Ellsworth. And I would imagine whoever wins that is going to cash in on whoever is the champion after the Naomi Lana match. Because I don't think you want to tune into SmackDown each week and have two money in the bank storylines play out. And you can get away with that, because obviously Dean Ambrose cashed in so quickly last year that it almost feels like we haven't had a money in the bank holder for ages. But that's why it's so good. That's why WWE really hit gold there, because it was awesome that night when Ambrose did win the title. But now the whole concept feels fresh again. But you're going to water that down so fast if every week we've got two concurring stories that are basically the same, because they are the same. There's only so much you can do with that idea. So I, I, in a way, I hope somebody does cash in straight away. I think that the struggle here, I mean, there's so many variables. Because Lana came out on SmackDown, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, and she got a pretty good reaction, apparently so well that now everybody in the company's like, man, maybe we should turn her face, which is, you know, quite the, <laughs> quite the ringing endorsement. And I do like her. There is something very likable about Lana. I don't really know what it is. It's probably just because she's very good at cutting promos. Her chemistry and relationship with Rusev was good, and she was very funny. And I always find when somebody's entertaining and funny and makes you laugh, you warm to them. And I think that's what's happened here. But if you're trying to push... The problem you have now is if she is seen as a babyface, and maybe she's not, but if she is, you can still get away with having the Naomi Lana match. Well, I guess it just means you need a heel to win the money in the bank. But then again, you don't want to put the, you don't want to put the title on Lana and then have her lose it straight away because that's not going to help her really going forward. But at the same time, you don't want Lana to lose if you genuinely have big plans for her. And the rumour has always been they do have big plans for her. It's a bit of a complicated situation. It's far more convoluted and far more specific than I thought it would be. But we have to make predictions. We have to make guesses. I'm not 100% sure, but... I mean, in an ideal world, what I would like is... It won't happen now, because you can't pull this off on the pay-per-view. I would have liked Charlotte to have gone back proper heel. I guess you could do it on SmackDown after the fact, just to underline it. And then she cashes in on Naomi versus Lana. Because Charlotte, to me, is not just... I mean, I think all the women are good. Like Even someone like Tamina, I know she's not in the same league as everyone else, but I'm not here to cast shade and shit on people. What's the point in that? She, you know, she, she does all right. She's, I don't think she's terrible, but she shouldn't win. You know? But Charlotte especially feels like a superstar. She feels special because of the way she holds herself and her promos and her attitude. You know, Everything she does feels like a big deal. So I'm just going to... Here's the other thing. I wouldn't mind Becky Lynch winning it either. But if Becky Lynch then cashes in on even Naomi or, La Naomi or Lana, geez, what happened there? I mean, I guess the, the money in the bank kind of negates babyface heel because people love a cash-in. So no one's going to think, oh, that dastardly Becky Lynch. She cashed in. They'll be happy for Becky Lynch because they enjoy the money in the bank cash-in. With that said, I think there's, a much, there's much more fun here to, to build a Becky Lynch-Charlotte feud. So Charlotte cashes it. Charlotte wins the money in the bank. Lana wins the championship, and then Charlotte cashes in on Lana. I mean, what a prediction that is. That is fantasy booking up the whim-wham. It's never going to happen. I'll be well off. Someone like Carmella will win Money in the Bank. But that works as well. Actually, Carmella could win Money in the Bank. Actually, I'm changing my mind. Carmella wins Money in the Bank, and she then cashes in 
on Lana who will win the championship. And if I am wrong with... I'm going to go Lana, but if I am wrong with Naomi Lana, I'm still standing by the fact that Carmella wins and then she'll cash in on Naomi. Naomi. Can't say that woman's name. Because to me, Carmella is more of a... A, you know, like a, a schneidy, whiny heel. So we'll go with that. Winner of the women's... Man, I'm overthinking this, aren't I? Jeez. But win, winner of the SmackDown Women's Championship, Money in the Bank match, Carmella. Winner of the SmackDown Women's match, Lana. Not 100% sure of that, but we'll go with it. It makes the situation more fun. But Carmella cashes in. I am glad. I hope... I, I think everybody will, will, you know, work really hard in the women's ladder match because they want to prove that it was a good idea and that they're just as good as the men and all that stuff. I think it will be really, really good. And I am excited for it. Potentially more than the men's one, which we'll transition into now. Mostly because I think they're going to give it to Baron Corbin. And I'm a big fan of Baron Corbin. You know, I know a lot of people don't like him and they think he's bland. But I like his I don't give a crap attitude. You know, screw you, but on the indie scene, I don't care, I want to make money. And he's a tall dude, probably does need to shave his head. As a bald man, I think I'm allowed to say that. But I do like him. I do think he has an upside. He's got cool entrance, cool entrance music, good finisher. You know, not the greatest in the ring, but has definitely got better. Promos especially on Talking Smack, are, are miles improved. I just I don't think he's the guy you want to be your money in the bank holder because I just don't think he's there yet. I think he should be being protected a bit more as opposed to being thrown right into the main event. And we've said that a thousand times. And honestly, I would give it, if, if I could choose, someone gave me a magic wand, I'd give it to Kevin Owens. I know he's the United States champion, so that kind of negates it. But he can lose that at some point. And having a few months of Kevin Owens with the United States title and being Money in the Bank holder, given how good a talker he is, that will be fantastic. He'll be hilarious. You'll look forward to those segments every week. You know, he can ham up the whole Face of America thing. I'm the US champion. I'm the Money in the Bank holder. I'm winning SmackDown. And he has the talking ability to back all that up and become a character that you want to tune in to see. And as we're going to get into later, where we talk about ratings, that's the problem. Clearly, there isn't people doing enough to make an audience tune in. But I think allowing Kevin Owens off the leash, so to speak, and to, to go nuts, especially because he lost to Nakamura on SmackDown. Kevin Owens and Nakamura had a match. It wasn't as good as maybe a lot of us would have hoped it was. It certainly wasn't good as their Ring of Honor match, which Ring of Honor did upload. Uh, WWE announced the first time we've ever seen this match, and Ring of Honor was like, well, not really. Technically, the first match between Kevin Owens and Shinsuke Nakamura, but not Kevin Steen and Shinsuke Nakamura. But you should definitely watch that on YouTube. It's a great match. It's kind of hard to compare the two because WWE aren't going to be able to get away with that kind of match. They should be, but it's not going to happen. So, but yeah, but he has lost a lot. So to me, if you want to build that back up, but I don't think they will. The best thing about the match is I wouldn't really mind if anybody won other than Dolph Ziggler. I don't think Shinsuke needs it. Just because I don't think they're treating him very well. He's not coming across like the superstar we hoped he would. Because they're treating him more like the casual WWE main eventer apart from, you know, aside from this, well, wow. You know, he, he's something else. But I don't think he benefits from having the money in the bank. You know, I think you can work him into a title match without all that. I don't think he... Yeah, there's no plus side there other than it's cool that he wins the match. And also, obviously, if you don't win, you don't technically lose. You just don't win. So I'm not bothered about him. We touched on Baron Corbin. Dolph Ziggler by this point is... Look, I like Dolph Ziggler. I think he's a very talented guy. He works hard. Clearly takes a lot of pride in what he does. But he's been booked into oblivion. And he can't help that. He can only do what the company tells him to do. But as a fan, it's really hard to believe or get behind Dolph Ziggler because of that fact. And it is a shame. I mean, I don't think I was ever as behind him as some people were. You know, I don't necessarily think he's a world champion. I think he's an upper mid-card guy. But he never really got given a chance to prove me wrong. You know, when he was world champion, he wasn't allowed to be treated like a world champion. So it seems unfair of me to cast shade on him. But I wouldn't want to see him win just because it would be a bit anticlimactic. But, you know, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles or Sami Zayn, I'd be fine with any of them doing it. I, I don't... Again, AJ Styles doesn't need it because he's, he puts on such good matches all the time that he's always going to feel like a big deal. And to use that insider smart terminology, he's always going to be over. It's the same for the other two, really. Maybe less so Sami Zayn, but that's why I don't think Sami Zayn will win, because they treat him like an absolute joke, which is crazy. Because if you've ever seen his matches as El Generico, allegedly, or before he made it to the, um, the WWE, he's tremendous. So that's a strange one. I guess they just look at him and think he looks like a dweeb, which he does a little bit. But so what? You know, you can believe in dweebs. Like Daniel Bryan looked a bit like a dweeb. But we believed in him, and I think Sami Zayn has that same quality, has that genuine quality that you warm to. So 
We'll see. But yeah, my prediction is Baron Corbin. My hope would be Kevin Owens. Just because I think long term you can have more fun with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens would be so good with it that he could even cash it in, not win the championship, and still come out feeling you know like a big deal if they booked him right because of how good he is on the microphone. He could come up with you know an excuse. He could use that to fuel him for the next few weeks. I mean, I never want to see that happen. I think you just need to strategically place it so the Money in the Bank guy pretty much always wins if they're a heel because it's just awesome. People love it. But I, I think that they, look, this is the year of Baron Corbin, apparently. And maybe the briefcase helps him. I mean, in the past, the briefcase has always been used to put on a guy that isn't quite there yet, but you use it to get him there. Like when Seth Rollins won it, I don't think he was necessarily there yet, but he used it to get there. And if Baron Corbin can do the same, who am I to criticize? So we'll go Baron Corbin. Uh, which brings us into the tag team match, which is the Usos versus the New Day. Loving the Usos at the moment. I've always said, you can go back through episodes of this very podcast, that they're underused and they have far more charisma and they're far funnier than WWE let them show. But finally, over the last few weeks, they're showing their, you know, their, their, their something about and their promos are weird and, and wacky because they are. And I really, really enjoy them. To me, the New Day, are, I like the New Day. They're fine. I know they sell off merchandise and business metrics and numbers. But to me, the act is, is, and that's why they were moved to SmackDown, because the act needed a freshening up. And I just, to, to me, they need a change. I think they need to go serious. They're not going to, but it's just, it's run its course. I don't get excited about seeing them anymore. I don't necessarily think their skits are as funny as they once were. But that's not their fault. It's the same with anything. It's the law of diminishing returns. The more you get something, you know, not necessarily the less good it's going to become, but... Every, everything has its time in the sun, like wrestling. Look at wrestling right now. Numbers in the toilet. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were doing like eights. Now they're doing twos. And that's just the nature of the business, like, or any business. You can't be on top forever. It's not realistic. Even The Rock, even The Rock, the most successful movie star in the world, Baywatch didn't do well. Well, it didn't last time I checked. I don't check that often. But I know on opening weekend, it didn't do as well as people had thought. But my point being is that the new day at this point should be making noises that it's time to to shake things up. So we'll see we'll see about that. I think the Usos retain here. They can cheat to win. The feud's only really just begun. You want it to carry on. You want the faces to chase the heels. And I think there's far more mileage you can get out of this. So to have the Usos lose, when they can cheat or, you know, even if they don't, whatever they decide to do, there's another reason to... And maybe that even plants the seed about, you know, maybe some uh, some problems in the new day beneath the service. But I go with the Usos. Just trying to make sure I'm not... But I have booked heel, heel, heel so far. And I'm about to book another heel. <laughs> I've got this so wrong. But I've said it now. So we'll, uh, we'll go on regardless. Because the main event is Jinder Mahal. Ah, oh, the controversial Jinder Mahal. While we're here as well, I don't give two hoots if Jinder Mahal is doing steroids. I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't care. If I cared about wrestlers doing steroids, I wouldn't watch pro wrestling. <laughs> Because I think there's a lot of wrestlers that still do steroids. I don't know that for the, I don't know that for certain, but I don't care. When I first started watching wrestling in the 80s, everybody was doing steroids. You know what? I don't care. I don't care. I'm not saying that doing steroids is right, and I'm not saying doing steroids is wrong. I'm saying that I don't care. And there's so much talk about it, and Jinder Mahal keeps going on about it on his social media. What difference does it make? Let WWE sort that stuff out. And if he gets busted, then he's made himself look like a fool by constantly, uh, constantly denying it. But I, I don't, I don't, who cares? Who cares? I mean, Hulk Hogan did steroids. The Armored Warrior did steroids. Everybody then did steroids. Everybody. But all of a sudden now, for some reason, I guess because people don't like the fact Jinder Mahal is champion, we have to act like this is some terrible thing in the world of pro wrestling. I mean, I don't think it's, I think uh, the whole body issue of, how do you even explain it? But, you know, people think, oh, I want to look like that and not realizing what some people do causes issues. But I don't think Jinder Mahal's doing that. And even if you are on steroids, you still got to work damn hard. I just don't get it. Honestly, constantly, constantly. It's Jinder Mahal on steroids. Jinder Mahal on steroids. I don't care. I really don't care. Went into town. But, he, of course, he'll be accompanied by the Singh brothers and he'll be taking on Randy Orton. The issue we have here is, and this ties into something we'll talk about in a minute or maybe we'll talk about now, is that the SmackDown rating came in for this week and it was bad. It wasn't up against any competition. It dropped to like a 2-1 from a 2-5 or something like that. And again, I don't think as fans we need to worry too much about the ratings in terms of, uh, you know, if we like a show, who cares what the ratings do? But they are an interesting metric to discuss and, and, and try and figure out what that means globally for WWE or as a business. And the SmackDown rating dropping, it was doing pretty good a few weeks ago for no reason. 
I'm not saying it's Jinder Mahal's fault, but I'm saying if this continues, you do potentially have to start questioning, is it Jinder Mahal's fault? Not his fault, but the, the fact that people just aren't interested in him as the champion because he wasn't built up that way. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It, I think that determines the outcome of this match. Like I said, I booked a lot of heels to win. So you would assume that Randy Orton would win here to become a face, but that's giving up on the gender experiment less than, like, what, a month, five weeks into it? And you can't really tell if it's been a success that quickly. So I'll say that Jinder Mahal retains. I mean, you can do something with the Singh brothers. I know that Randy Orton's going to have his dad and various assorted legends at ringside. So that'll tie into the Father's Day stuff. And then maybe in a few weeks, if ratings are really tanking, then maybe you take the belt off Jinder. But here, I think Jinder Mahal wins. I don't think his championship reign is particularly special, but I don't think that's his fault. He's not being given anything particularly special to do. He beat Mojo Rawley a couple of weeks ago. It was fine. And then most other SmackDowns, he just comes out and cuts the same promo about how Americans don't like him. And, and you know, I think he's all right. Seems like a nice dude to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have a problem with him. I mean, I think they have a decent match. I mean, overall, the card is... I mean, it really is situated around the two ladder matches. I think as long as they both... But they both pull it out. You can kind of get away with doing whatever you want for the rest of it. Um, but basically, I'm saying just to heal, 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 heal. I bet all the heels to win. WWE aren't going to do that. So I've made mistakes. But I've said it now. I'm going to go forward with it. You know what? On the pre-show, it's the Hype Bros versus the Colognes. I give it to the Hype Bros. There you go. Faces win. That's how you get away with it. Babyface wins at the start of the event. And then, you know, by the end of it, you just got a bunch of heels winning. We do have a lot of heel, uh, heel champions at the moment. Someone did a post on Reddit or, or somewhere that showed that WWE was a heel territory. Because I mean, Jinder Mahal is champ. He's a heel. Uso's a champ. heel. Um, I mean, so Naomi is the only face because obviously she's the women's champion. But then on Raw, you've got Alexa Bliss, heel. Brock Lesnar. Well, Brock Lesnar's kind of a face now. But he's Brock Lesnar. He kind of rises above faces of heels. And then the continental champion is The Miz. Heel. Who's the Raw Tag Team Champion? Sheamus and Cesaro, heel. Which is weird, considering that WWE back in the day was considered a babyface territory. You know, unlike the, the NWA or WCW, where, you know, Ric Flair was your quintessential heel and he often had the title. You know, WWE had Hulk Hogan. He was your big, bad, happy babyface and he ruled. So it is interesting, I think, that we've, we've come here. So maybe that's how they get away with it. That's just where they are at the moment. They're a bad guy place. So we can have a pay-per-view where all the bad dudes win. So we'll see what happens. I think it's an interesting time. Again, not the greatest card in the world. The money in the bank doesn't feel as important as it has done. But if you execute right, it's fine. Absolutely fine. So we'll see what happens. Which brings us into... We'll kind of do Raw and SmackDown as a pair. I mean, the problem with Raw this week was they were going up against the NBA Finals. You have to forgive me. I don't follow basketball, so I can't... I think it was the Cavaliers versus the Golden State, I believe, if I've, if I've kept up enough. But I, I'm not a big NBA guy. So what it basically felt like they did was they front-loaded the show. They had the Joe Lesnar segment, which was great. But then knowing that they were up against tough competition, they just burned their own show, which is, which is stupid. I understand why you're doing it, because you presume, well, if no one's going to watch, why would we waste good material? But I look at it from a very different point of view, because for one, you don't want to run off the hardcore fans. And if I, I imagine if you listen to this, you consider yourself one of those. And if you feel like the WWE values you to such a low degree that if they know they're not going to be able to get a good rating, they're going to put on not a bad show, but just a run-of-the-mill show, maybe you'll start to tune out as well. But on top of that, if their goal is to always put on a good show, then maybe eventually word of mouth does get around that even when there is a basketball game or a football game or whatever, and maybe this is wishful thinking in many ways, but maybe people go, well, we have to at least you know, DVR Raw or, or make sure we stay in touch as opposed to just not bother with it whatsoever because it's can't miss TV. And the only way you create can't miss TV is, wait for it, put on can't miss TV. So I think they would have been much better served to just come up with a great show every single week. And I do think more often than not, that's what they try to do. But I also think in this occasion, this is the exception to the rule where they went, ah, we're going to get creamed. Let's just put on a kind of filler you know, run-of-the-mill raw that we can just, you know, get through. I think it's a really stupid idea because if this has been one of the best raws ever and we ended with the Joe Lesnar segment, or whatever, you can still start with the Joe Lesnar segment, that's fine. But then maybe buddies and friends would have got talking, like, I know we watched the basketball game, but apparently raw was great. And then you go back and watch it because you DVR'd it or you use YouTube or whatever, and that doesn't help the network rating. But what it does do is you watch it and you go, oh, wow, that was really good. Maybe next week we should watch. We missed something. 
As opposed to now, if you did have the impetus to look it up, you're like, wow, we missed nothing. Well, I won't even bother next week. I'll read about it first. So that seems silly to me if it was true. Nobody knows for sure. But it did start great. I thought everything they're doing with Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar right now is spot on. It's almost a dream in many ways that we even get this match. And if I had told you this in late the 2000s or early 2000s, whenever or Brock came back in, what, 2012? If I had told you in five years we're going to have Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe, you'd be like, what? How did Samoa Joe even get there? Which would have been a fair, a fair retort. I just think, you know, usually you don't necessarily want two dudes to touch before they have a fight because that's what you're buying or that's what you're investing in for the pay-per-view to see them brawl. But here you did need to see it because obviously Joe last week was brash and big and, and took out Paul Heyman. So this week Brock Lesnar's there to get his revenge and he did, but then he soon found himself against someone that was his equal. And I thought it was great. You know, Brock couldn't get the double leg and then Joe super kicked him and then Brock came back and just you know, threw some security guards everywhere and the roster came out. It just felt like two dudes with attitudes, <laughs> who wanted to kill each other. And I just thought it was, it's very similar to what they did with The Undertaker a few years ago, but that's fine. If it works, it works. Don't always need to, to rewrite the book. You know, use the book that, that you know will, will generate a response. And I, I think it did. So I, I'm a big fan of that. I, I think Brock Lesnar is on most Raws now up to Great Balls of Fire. So hopefully they can be kept separate now. Just do promo packages or, or whatever. Let Brock Lesnar speak as well. Maybe in a, in a vignette backstage, because that's when he's best. Let him really lay into Samoa Joe, and then let Samoa Joe just calm. I love Joe's retort at the moment, which is just calm, and, you know, he's in control, and I think that's fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, easy the best thing that's going on in wrestling at the moment, or WWE at the moment. Unfortunately, Samoa Joe is not going to win that fight, which is sad. It's a one and done. He's been put in this position because Braun Strowman, you know, had his injury and he was supposed to be having this fight or at least it was supposed to build into SummerSlam. So that is a, that's a pity. But hey, Samoa Joe can still come out the back of this feeling like a huge deal as long as he's competitive, goes toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar and is treated that, that way coming out the other end. So I think this could only help Samoa Joe. And I would argue that up to this point, he hadn't felt like the Samoa Joe that a lot of us had known him for back in the day. And that's not his fault again. I just didn't think his Seth Rollins feud was very good. Sometimes you just don't click. I mean, they probably needed more of a, a reason to be fighting. I wasn't that engaged to it. I thought the matches were good, but I wasn't emotionally attached. Whereas here I am. You know, Samoa Joe has made his intentions very clear. I want what Brock Lesnar has. And he attacked Paul Hay- uh, uh, Brock Lesnar's mate. So I know why Brock Lesnar be pissed off. Just works. Nice and simple. Works for me. You know, I can't wait. I can't wait to see the match. I also like the fact that this week they kept Finn Balor and um, Roman Reigns off TV. I got no problem with that. You know, they, they were still there for the, the the dark match afterwards, so it's not like you were shortchanged. Actually, I think Finn Balor was off in Japan doing promotional work, but that's fine too. But Roman Reigns came out afterwards. I don't think you need your big stars on the show each week, especially if you're trying to build things here. It makes them feel more special. Whether you like Roman Reigns or not, he is treated as a special dude. So keep him off if you've got no plans. And also, I'm intrigued now because the only interaction is not the right word, but you know, the only interaction we did get from Roman Reigns on Raw was a trailer basically saying Roman Reigns has a SummerSlam announcement next week. And I want to know what that is. What is his SummerSlam announcement? I think it's going to be interrupted by Braun Strowman, so we can build to that at Great Balls of Fire too. But it's not going to be Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. That's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. That seems to be almost a lock. So what does Roman talk about? He's got to announce something. If they do manage to delay it here because Braun gets in the way, well, he still has to have something big for SummerSlam. Is it John Cena? John Cena's a free agent now, apparently. That commercial aired on SmackDown, whoever it was. I mean, Raw, I can't remember. But John Cena returns to SmackDown July 4th. Now he's a free agent. Because in the Superstar Shake-Up, somehow that just happened. I mean, what? <laughs> it's a strange thing to do. I've got no problem with John Cena floating onto both shows if he's only going to be a bit-time performer now. But it's a bit weird. And all you are really doing is underlining that John Cena is a much bigger star than everybody else and can do whatever he wants. But maybe that's another reason they're doing it, because they want to do Roman Reigns versus John Cena at SummerSlam. And I saw a lot of people on social media online saying, you're crazy. WWE would hold that off until WrestleMania. But which WrestleMania? Because it's Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34, or is the plan at the moment. So you're going to wait till WrestleMania 35? John Cena may not be around by then. He may be the next Rock. 
I can see them doing it at SummerSlam. They, you know, there's this desperate need to have this mid uh, mid calendar pay per view that feels like WrestleMania, so they can keep the network number up and continue to push that, which is the base of their bit. Well, TV ratings and TV money is the base of their business in terms of finances, but long term, the network is everything. So I can absolutely see them doing John Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. You got Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns versus John Cena. You know, this feels like a big deal. Maybe even get Triple H back to have a match. I think it's a good idea. I mean, you want to pull the trigger relatively soon to start teasing it and allow that to build naturally and organically. But I'd be all right with John Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Why not? I don't, I don't, it's not a match I'm particularly super keen on seeing, but it is two big names going at it. John Cena would lose, <laughs> which would be amazing. That's the passing of the torch you've seen it. Cena wins lol, finally replaced by Reigns beats everybody. I don't know. I don't know. I, but I do think the, the free agent thing is strange. It just puts John Cena on a more of a pedestal than he's already on. I don't mind. I like John Cena. I'm happy for him to turn up on Raw 2. Oh, not too much. If he's on every week, you're going to run him into the ground and overexpose him. So we'll see what happens with that. But that was kind of it for Raw. You know, the tag, the three out of the two out of three falls match was okay. It finished the show. I do like the Hardys. I think they come across as really nice blokes, which is a weird thing to say. But if you're trying to be portrayed as, as faces and you come across like really nice guys, that does help. It does make me want, you know, it does make me want to have you win. And I was never a big Jeff Hardy guy back in the day. Never liked Jeff Hardy. Thought he was, I couldn't understand the hype around. But now, because of the way they were portrayed and the interview they did on the network and so many other things, you know, I don't necessarily call myself the biggest Jeff Hardy fan in the world, but I like him a lot more now than I did. You know, I've warmed to him. And it's just because they feel like superstars. And again, they feel like good dudes. I really do hope the broken stuff comes in just because I enjoy it so much. But that's a, we've done that. We've chatted about that. That's all in the lap of, uh, of legality at the moment. And hopefully the Hardy boys do get what they deserve because they deserve to showcase those characters on the biggest stage possible. They're entertaining. They're funny. Not everybody's cup of tea, but they made them a success. And I think it's the whole thing with Impact's ridiculous. But I, I mean, I haven't watched Impact in weeks now. Ever since they did the big shake-up, I gave them a couple of weeks, and it's just the same show. You know, it doesn't, it just doesn't really, it just, it's, well, it's, it's, not, it's not convincing me to tune in at the moment. But please do let me know in either the Facebook group, uh, again, search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, or on Twitter at Simon 316 if I need to go back in. I try and read the results when I can, but I'm just not invested. And I'm sure that's happened to a lot of you guys out there as well. If you're not invested, you, why would you even read the results? You may as well read Russian. You don't know who half the guys are. You don't know the stories. You don't know what's going on. I wish them nothing but success. Competition is the best thing in the world for all businesses, including pro wrestling. But at the moment, it's not. There's nothing on there that, you know, there's just nobody I want to see. I like Alberto Del Rio, but I just, he's not enough. To make. I like Lashley too, but it's just not enough. James Storm, there's loads of guys. But I don't want to watch. Anyway, SmackDown as well. Again, given it was a go-home show, I thought was, I'm going to say poor, but I thought they could have done more. Like the build for both Money in the Bank matches was fine. Shinsuke Nakamura climbing up and just grabbing a random briefcase, essentially saying, I'm not winning on Sunday, was ridiculous. But they, you know, they built it there, and Sami Zayn beat Baron Corbin again, I think. SmackDown's blurring to one for me now. So that will be interesting. It, it, you know, and Again, we had the Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke Nakamura match, which I was excited about, but again, felt throwaway and empty, just because it wasn't built right. And yeah, I mean... I don't think that was the reason for the bad rating because you don't know a bad show until after it's a bad show. I don't think it was a bad show either. But this was the first SmackDown in a long time where I was like, oof. Especially given going into a pay-per-view, I felt no excitement and no hype. And I'm not 100% sure why. But that was strange. So yeah, not, not the best episode of SmackDown. Obviously, Zack Raider came back and you know, as we talked about, the hype bros. I wonder how Mojo Rawley feels about that. I mean, it's not like they were doing much with him anyway as a singles. He won the Battle Royale, but then... Obviously lost to Jinder Mahal and was really sad about it. But I wonder if he's upset. Maybe that's the story they do. Maybe that's how they tie it in. Maybe we see a breakup of the hype bros because uh, Mojo Rawley's like, wait a minute, you got injured, go away. I have somewhat of a resurgence in my single career. And then you come back and I have to team with you again and with jobbers? No thanks, mate. Not into that. So we'll see. I think SmackDown at the moment is just lacking focus and direction. I think you really need to light a fire under Shinsuke Nakamura. You need to make him feel like the new John Cena because he has the ability Need to ramp up Kevin Owens, make him the top heel of the brand, and just let AJ Styles do his thing. Because AJ Styles is up there with uh, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the world, and he's under your umbrella. You've got him. I'm not sure how many years he's got left. Probably quite a few, given he just seems to keep himself in, you know, he seems very healthy, to say the least. But you've got him. 
given the reactions other things are getting, maybe you need to use AJ Styles the way that AJ Styles should be used. And there's not much, too much we can say about the ratings now. We kind of touched on all of it. But yeah, I mean, like I said, the Raw rating, I think, was the second worst of the modern era. The only one that ever beat it was the, um, the day that the debate was on between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And you can't beat that regardless. But I don't, I mean, what do you do to fix it? I do like that they're now introducing these long arc storylines. They've got the big Cass and Enzo stuff, which I enjoy, the Kurt Angle stuff, which apparently is actually leading to Triple H versus uh, Triple H versus Kurt Angle match, which I predicted on What Culture, if you're interested. I'd be very up for seeing that. Again, you can do that at SummerSlam. I'd hold that up to 34 if you can, but if you can't, that's fine at SummerSlam. If you're genuinely trying to rehab SummerSlam and make it feel like a big deal, got to take those risks. You know, that's the kind of stuff you've got to do. We had what Orton versus Lesnar last year. It's not. It was okay. Obviously, watched the man get beaten up for real. But if you genuinely want to start making SummerSlam feel like your midterm WrestleMania, you've got to put those matches on. You've got to re-educate your audience. If you say, "Hey, we're doing Triple H versus Kurt Angle here," wow, that's massive. Thank you very much. I mean, you could argue it means more at WrestleMania because that doesn't need rehabbing. But a match like that can also be what you know takes SummerSlam back up to the top. I can't what I was talking about now. Why did, why did I just throw that into the mix? Oh, because talking about ratings, of course. But yeah, I, I do like the fact we're getting these, these longer these longer arch storylines, but we need to stay the course. We can't just look at the ratings and go, oh, it doesn't work. And I'm not saying I have the solution, because I really don't. I'm just some idiot dude that watches wrestling for some reason does a podcast. But I do know some... I mean, the three hours doesn't help, but that's not changing. So it's a redundant point to say it should be two hours. Yeah, it should. But it's not going to be, because USA... Have a what they got a contract with them until 2019, and they want three hours because it makes the money in advertising revenue, and it makes WWE money. So we're at three hours till at least 2019. We're in 2017. Redundant argument. So we need to focus on what we've got. And as Raw showed a couple of weeks ago, you can make three hours interesting. It's difficult to do it every week. They need more. They need a bigger roster. Absolutely. Does that mean any of the brand split? Probably not going to happen. So hire more guys is the first thing you need to do. Build more stories. Make sure it feels like everybody on the show is important. That's why I'm not the biggest hater of the Titus brand stuff. The story needs loads of work, and it's full of holes, and sometimes it's absolutely stupid. But it is only a week or two weeks away of story building and doing it right to become interesting. You know, back in the Attitude Era, which we all praised, which secretly was full of a load of crap when you watch it, you know, one of the storylines was that kind I wanted to chop off Valvina's penis. I always know, I know I go back to that all the time, but as dumb as it was, and even at the time that I knew it was dumb, I still invested in it because WWE told me you should probably care about this. I was like, okay, I will. You know, I, I know this is borderline redonkulous, but okay, I will buy in that Valvinus, the wannabe porn star, is really scared that a bunch of Japanese dude are going to chop off his willy. <laughs> Fine. So you can do it. And that's why the, and the Titus brand stuff isn't even that bad, but it just needs more logic, less plot holes, and to be stronger. And also, Apollo, Apollo Crews actually needs to pledge allegiance to Titus and build this Titus brand, because at the moment, he's not getting anybody in. So it's like, well, what's the point of any of this? And sometimes Apollo likes him, and he doesn't like him, and it's all over the shop. But I think that helps no end, because then, top to bottom, I don't feel like I need to tune out, because I know in hour one, oh, I'm going to get more seeds planted in the Enzo and Cass stuff. And, you know, it sounds stupid, but this is what you got to do. And then seed two, I'm going to get an update with the Titus brand. And then in, you know, in so phase three, maybe that's when you go to your main event or you, you shift that stuff around, Joe, Lesnar, whatever. Whereas at the moment, you get matches for matches' sake. Obviously, we know the problems with the cruiserweight division. Tag division is actually good at the moment. I like the Seamus Cesaro Hardy Boys feud. Wasn't the biggest fan of the ending. Why are we doing two out of three falls matches if it's going to end in a draw? I mean, just don't do a match. Find another way to prolong the feud. But I do. I, I like both teams. I think Seamus and Cesaro are great, and I do feel like at the moment the tag belts feel like they mean something. So it's hard for me to criticize too much there. But I just think we need to take a step back with all the roster. Take the women on Raw, for example. The last few weeks, it's always been, we're just going to throw all the women in Raw into the women's segment. Why can't we break that out? Why can't we have multiple women's segments? Why can't we have Bliss versus Bailey? Why can't we have, you know, Jax versus, I don't know, Sasha Banks, whatever. Why can't we build them as individual feuds as opposed from, oh, well, you know, eight till quarter past eight is when the women will feature. Don't need to do that. Treat them like wrestlers. Don't treat them like genders. We don't need that. The story is good regardless whether they're men or women. You've got, to make this, you know, you've got to make the story work. On that note, we should probably talk about what happened to Bailey on Raw. Now, if you watch my What Culture stuff, I do ups and downs, which is basically a review show. So you get the good thing an up and a bad thing a down. I gave the Bailey segment an up, which I still stand by because, as I said in the thing, which people always miss, they only hear the up or the down. 
It was a terrible segment. But at least Bailey said the right thing. She wants to be a wrestler. She wants to get her title back. And she wants to go to WrestleMania and compete. Which to me is planting the seeds, hopefully, to start rehabbing the Bailey character. However, on top of that, yes, she did do some weird, awkward romantic hug with Corey Graves, which seemed to suggest we're now going in a Bailey romantic love angle and she'll finally kiss a boy. Which could very well be the death knell for her career if they do that badly, which they probably will. I mean, that's bad because nobody wants to see it. I can't believe anyone sat out there going, I really hope they put Bailey in a love angle and she finally gets to kiss a boy. For starters, no one actually believes she's never kissed a boy. And I know pro wrestling isn't real, but we need to be able to suspend our disbelief enough to buy into what we're seeing. And clearly, Bailey, WWE superstar, an all-round nice chap, has kissed a boy. Also, who cares? Even if she hadn't, I'd be like, all right, eventually it'll happen for you. I don't need to see that. So that was strange, and it probably does mean they're going to... Look, if next week they're doing a, uh, a love angle, then yeah, it was terrible, and it was bad, and this very well... Could, it could be a heel turn for Bailey. The crowd turns on it so much. But, you know, don't throw the women into, into one segment is my, is my point. I think that's all we can say about the ratings. It's difficult to know where we are till next week. Get this NBA game out of the way. See if the SmackDown number was just a blip. Like I say, ultimately for the fans, it doesn't matter. Certainly matters for the company. Certainly a talking point, and certainly something you can point as a uh, certainly something you can point to as a critique of pro wrestling. But it doesn't affect our enjoyment. You either enjoy the show or you don't. You're either watching or you're not. It's as simple as that. Right. I did watch Dominion. All five and a half hours of it. I always think wrestling shows like that are too long. I go on record right now. And I thought the main event was fantastic, though. Genuinely, I, uh, I, I, you know, when I realized it was, was going to be on, I thought, okay, well, I'll watch the rest of the show after the fact, and I'll watch this live to take in the reaction. I wasn't... I, I loved the... I thought the first Omega Ricardo match at Wrestle Kingdom earlier in the year was fantastic. I didn't think it was as good as some people did. I didn't, at the time, I wouldn't have said it's the best match I ever saw. Up there... And that's not me being facetious or that guy, because that's a cool thing to say. That's just what I thought. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference to anything. This one, however, I thought was tremendous. Best match I ever saw? I don't know. You know, again, up there. But it was just everything from the selling to the story to the fact they made 60 Minutes so interesting to the, the sort of specific and original ideas they came up with. You know, just the sheer violence they put their bodies through. How well, I can't remember if I said this, how well they sold, how much I believed in what they were doing. Kenny Mega, especially, I felt like was willing to kill himself to try and win this championship. And Akada, too, felt like a man, you know, struggling with this battle he was having with this guy. I just thought it was, I thought it was tremendous. Like this, again, I sound like an old wrestling veteran, but the story they told, and this is why I kind of think it's silly where some people say, oh, you can't wrestle like that and be pro wrestling, but they did. They had this high-octane, flippy, brutal match, but it told a story. I knew exactly the story they were telling. They were both exhausted. They both didn't know what to do. They were both kicking out of each other's moves, you know. And the ending where, you know, it went to the 60-minute draw and Akada had hit Omega with a Rainmaker finally but couldn't get there in time to cover was fantastic. What a great cliffhanger to end on to a, to a roller coaster of a match. I strongly suggest you go out there and watch it if you haven't. It's, it's just, I think it's unfair in some ways to criticize it or compare it to WWE because they're different products. And you could say, well, maybe this is what WWE should be doing. And yeah, maybe it is. But then also maybe we wouldn't enjoy this as much because, again, you get too much of everything and it's diminishing returns. I like the fact I could tune into New Japan Pro Wrestling, watch a style of match that is utterly different to anything that I see on, you know, on WWE TV and get maybe even more out of it. It just makes me more excited about New Japan, and I can still go back to WWE each week and get my fix of whatever that gives me. But yeah, genuinely awesome. I think both those guys are, are, are super talented. They've got you know, the world's at their fingertips right now in terms of pro wrestling. Even the promos they cut before and after were just... They were just great. Like, I think it's because New Japan presented it, as they always do, as a sport, and those two carried it off as if it was a sport. You know, it was hard-hitting, and it was just... You know, some the bit where Kenny Omega sort of collapsed out of exhaustion so that Avocado couldn't hit the Rainmaker, or the pins out of nowhere, or the drop kicks, the uh, you know the knees from Kenny. They just you know the, the the intensity and the pacing was just I was off the chart. It really was. I mean, I was really impressed. I oohed and aahed. I, I jumped out of my chair. I I got taken in by so many near falls. I laughed. You always know it's a good near fall when you laugh. 
So yeah, I know that Dave Meltzer gave it 6.25 stars and everyone's going crazy, but as a man that reviewed video games for a long time, just have fun with the review scale, man. It's, he knows it. He knows he's just some guy putting a number on something. And that's why he does it. He knows how ridiculous it is when all things are considered. I, I'm a big fan of Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer, and I think it's great that it creates a talking point for all of us. Who cares if he gives it 12 stars? So the world keeps on turning. Your opinion doesn't change. But yeah, absolutely fantastic. Whole card was was pretty good. I, I like all the Cody Rhodes stuff. I know that's a controversial thing to say. Obviously, they're going into the Long Beach shows in early July. And everyone's now really worried because it's going to be Cody Rhodes versus Okada for the, I, for the IG... I, whatever it's called. The, the, the belt. <laughs> I can't, IGBW, right? I can't remember what it's called. IGWP, whatever. What a noob. Um... And let's say Cody Rhodes does win. It will get a reaction from all of us, and it could potentially tell a great story in New Japan. IWGP, there you go. And it could potentially tell a great story where Kenny Omega is like, you only beat him because he was, he's been worn down this year by countless challengers, the most lethal of which was me. He couldn't beat me second time around, and you came in and you picked off the, you know, what I left over. That's a great story to tell. Do you want Okada, one of the greatest champions at the moment, to lose to Cody Rhodes? No. But if Cody Rhodes is a heel, yes, you do. Because it's going to piss you off. You're going to want to see Cody Rhodes, you know, have his ass whipped. I'm all right with that. I think when it comes to booking decisions like that, same with Jinder Mahal. I don't think anybody deserves it or doesn't deserve it. I think it's all about the build-up and the story you tell. And if that's the story they tell, that is a damn good, interesting, compelling story that will get a genuine reaction from people. And I'm all right with that. No idea why Billy Gunn's on the show. That's no disrespect to Billy Gunn. I don't want to see Billy Gunn on a New Japan show. I'm not sure I ever wanted to see Billy Gunn on a WWE show. I understand why they're doing it. They think former WWE star to entertain the American crown, but I imagine a lot of Americans or non-Japanese living people are going there to see a New Japan show. So that's weird. But yeah, I, I'm very intrigued to see what they do with those Long Beach shows. New Japan feels feels exciting at the moment, and, and, I, and I like that. I think... Uh, yeah, I think that's good. On that topic as well, why this just popped into my head, I don't know. But this is something I wanted to address before we wrap up for the day. You may have noticed that Vince Russo has become a very controversial figure again in the world of pro wrestling. Be it the table for three on the WWE Network when Eric Bischoff and Jim Cornette tore him a new one. Or the Something to Wrestle With podcast that Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard did the other day. Which is very good as a very interesting, well put together, fascinating look into the life of Vince Russo. And if you've never listened to that, I strongly suggest you check it out because it's a bit like a documentary almost. And I was genuinely shocked by some of the stuff that I've learned. But it did preempt... It gave me the encouragement to go and listen to his podcast because I know he's always going on about how he has the answers and he knows. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe some of the stuff he was saying. Like, all the stereotypical assumptions that people make about Vince Russo are true. His desperation just to swerve the crowd for the sake of it or have swearing or... I just... I, it just... It was so out of touch. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it back in the Attitude Era because clearly I did. That's what cemented my fandom, maybe, until this very day. But just saying stuff like, you know, I, I, I can't remember... You know, but I would have had this guy won because nobody saw it coming or I would have done this because nobody saw it coming or, you know, I would reveal this was a booking decision. It's just like, well, you're crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. I'm not, here, I'm not here to cast aspersions or he's not, he has his own opinions and I respect him, but just an interesting character. I, I, you know what, I just leave it as, go watch The Table for Three on the network with Michael Hayes, Eric Bischoff and Jim Cornette. Go listen to the Something to Wrestle With podcast about Vince Russo. Then maybe just pop on Vince Russo's Twitter and listen to his podcast. Fascinating. Genuinely fascinating. For someone that had such an important footstep and uh, such a career in pro wrestling, fascinating and also I, I apparently he's apologized for this now and it's all good but I, whatever some of the stuff he wrote in his book that did come out in the mid-2000s so we are talking about a 10 year old publication here atrocious and again there's something to wrestle with podcast we'll uh, we'll give you more about that and that's it i think that's the end of this week's podcast we've done money in the bank we did raw we did smackdown we did a bit of tna kind of did ratings did dominion did vince russo so we've done it all uh, I always forget, but I won't this time. <laughs> I will put the official predictions thread up on the Facebook group. So please do uh, throw your thoughts and musings in there. I will definitely get mine in there too. Again, I explained, uh, we will be live on Wednesday. Don't get me wrong. That's the, Last week was a transitional week. 
like I say, all, all that stuff I mentioned at the start of the podcast will be kicking off from July. There will be a video that I'm going to make that will go into much more detail. But, you know, all you ever really need is the headlines. And the headlines are, as I've said, end of the month, I'm done with Video Gamer, done with PC games then, going to invest. No, what culture continues. And I, I do other stuff on the side as well. I'm not trying to pretend I don't. You know, I, there's a lot of one-off projects that I pursue and talk to people about. But, yeah, again, just to be honest with you, I had three major people that I made, con- uh, made content for and they paid me money. I've got rid of two of them, so it's quite scary, <laughs> as you can imagine. But there's only one way to find out if there's enough interest in my Patreon, YouTube, and these podcasts, and that is to dedicate time to them. It is to take a risk, and I'm happy to do that. And you know what? If there's not, that's completely cool. I love all you guys. I love the uh, the support that you give me. But if it's not something I can do long term, not a problem. Then I, I can rethink things. But the tools are there. Like I said, the YouTube channel there, youtube.com forward slash C4 slash the middle report rules. The patrons there, patreon.com forward slash Simon316. And we'll just see what happens. And that's all you can ever do. If you, if you don't want to give anything, you don't even want to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's absolutely cool. I'm not here to back you into a corner. I am going to back you into a corner about leaving a review. Everyone should do that. <laughs> but before we wrap up, please do share this as much as possible on social media, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Let's try and build up the community as big as we can. Let's see where we can get to with all of this. Money in the Bank this Sunday. Enjoy it. Just enjoy the show. Try and have a few hours where you turn your brain off and enjoy pro wrestling for what it is. But more than that, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for everything you do. I love the fact that you think this is worthy of your time because I know how precious time is. We will be back on Wednesday. I'm sorry for the delay. Hopefully, I've justified it enough. And if, if I haven't and you think, Millie, you're a twonk, I am a twonk. So there's not much I can do about that. But I will speak to you on Wednesday. Wednesday.